Sleepers Podcast, Friday, July 14th, the first inaugural Riley Friday here on the Sleepers Podcast. Riley Davis, our friend, our beloved basketball expert from Heat Check is in the building. We have long uh, intended to collaborate with Riley in a variety of ways. At the Final Four, we joked with a couple Heat Check members uh, that we were playing large cup beer pong specifically for the rights to Riley Davis. Ultimately, we lost that, and we've had ongoing negotiations all summer. But anyone at the Final Four would tell you that I was pouting like a massive bitch after that happened because I really genuinely wanted Riley. So, Riley, it's great to have you on the show. Uh, how this is going to work, for the record, we'll still do the comments at the beginning. We'll do the one big thing at the end. Uh, and then in the middle, we're just giving Riley the ball and getting out of the way. ISO Riley, we have no idea what topics he is going to choose. We told him, bring three topics. So uh, I'm really excited for this. Hopefully this is fun. And if Riley decides he never wants to do this again, we're really screwed because we've branded this as Riley Fridays and we're going to have to find another Riley cart. Uh, we won't be screwed, though, because in the background, as much as I love Riley, I have been doing some other work on other Rileys that I know and some Rileys I don't know. So I expect this to be great. OK, I know it's going to be great. As you said, love Riley. But I do have backup plans. Just know that I'm not going out sad. Riley Fridays will live on. Well, first off, I don't think there are that many Rileys out there. I think I kind of have that market cornered, especially in college basketball media. Secondly, I think it's going to go great. I'm glad to be here. I've long branded my, myself as the Sleepers ACC correspondent, and I'm glad to you know expand that role a little bit. Uh, making some progress here in year two, year three, depending on who you ask, and glad to make this a regular occurrence. So. We did have to do a little recruiting of you for the record. Like we have a little group chat, the three of us. And uh, at first I just threw out like, hey, will you do Riley Fridays? What do you do on Friday mornings? And you essentially responded with a long winded. No, I have too much on my plate. Uh, and then I really had to like put some emotional thought into a responsive text that was like, why don't we just try it? And I feel like I want a recruitment. I kind of feel like I'm Hubert Davis convincing Elliot Cadeau to reclassify. Is that fair? Th that is a great comp, although it was never a no on my part. It was just like, a, for those that don't know, I like Greg. I'm about to become a father trying to figure that out right now. I've I've currently turned my office into a nursery and now I'm in my bedroom with these white walls behind me. That looks very surgical, but hey, it is what it is. So, you know, I just had to think about it a little bit, consult with my wife and we, we came to a decision that was best for our family. Uh, so respect our decision. We'll be doing I'll be doing this regularly incredible yes. uh and shout out nat by the way um i mean the goat the, the support MVP. the support is incredible we respect it all right let's jump in for the sake of time we got uh 10 comments according to the number that it says on yesterday's youtube video reminder we will read comments every single day as many as there are until it gets way too many and we just can't logistically do it anymore if you want your comment read on the show Go to the YouTube channel, respond to the main podcast episode video every single day, Monday through Friday. Of course, you can also listen to the audio only versions of this as well. First comment from I know more than you. You should do a roster breakdown show for each Big Ten school, including future Big Ten schools, USC and UCLA. Cart, do you want to do that? Uh, we'll do that, but there's no chance that I'm doing a roster breakdown of Minnesota. I'll let that be known right now. That can be done on another network on another show. But if you think I'm doing a deep dive into what Ben Johnson is going to do with his guard rotation this year, you're just not getting that on this channel, unfortunately. I'm sorry. I do feel like we've learned a lot of people are interested in like some preseason Big Ten content. We got to put some brain behind that before it gets too late in the summer here. Next comment from Dat Boy from Illinois. Sleepers themed ideas for one big thing segment. Number one, pillow talk. Number two, lights out. Number three, final decrees with a big Z as in like a sleeping Z. Carter, uh, that first one seems a little suspect given our episode <laughs> yesterday. I was going to say pillow talk. Hey, yo, I don't I don't I don't know if we can brand that, but I love this. I was thinking in my humble opinion, we're sticking with in my humble opinion. Now, 24 hours later, you still like it? I don't know. Like I woke up this morning and I felt like in my humble opinion or like with all due respect, either Riley, one you, of those two. Do you have a preference from the ones you've heard so far? Wait, what was the one with decrees? Final decrees with a capital Z as in like a sleeping Z. I, I kind of like that, but decree sounds too formal. Um, 
I'm not crazy with all due respect. That sounds a little too close to like, quite frankly, with Stephen A. Smith in the early 2000s. <laughs> you could be a little more original than that. So what was the first one you said, in my humble opinion? That's what we yeah. went with yesterday. A comment uh-huh. gave us, in my humble opinion. I still, for the record, I'm standing by one big thing, but adding a second G to it and trying to get it sponsored by Big B. Big B, where you can get a lovely iced coffee, the best coffee of the name brand coffees in the state of Michigan. Cart, you love Big B. I do love Big B. And before we move on, one thing, did you know that Big B always had two G's in it? Uh, did you know that? It used to be redacted before it turned to Big B. You know that, right? Yeah, yeah, I know that. But I'm saying, like, I went to go tag him on Twitter the other day, and I couldn't find it with just B-I-G-B-Y. And I was like, oh, there's two Gs in Big B. This is a something I did not know. Extra Gs. Uh, uneducated viewers might think there's two Gs on this episode, given that we added another white man with nice brown hair. Uh, let's move on. Neil Stuckey, 9896, said, sorry for the longer comment. Want to touch base on a couple points. Keep up the great work, guys. Thank you, Neil Stuckey. Uh, he's the guy who talked about Illinois has better shooting. He says they should be more consistent. A healthy goodie will be a big boost, but Meyer by himself is better than the additions. He also thinks Walker is better than Frazier. Uh, his, in my humble opinion, is that Ty Rogers is a jump shot away from being a first-round pick. Do you buy that, Cart? First-round pick. I could squint... And in a world, see where Ty Rogers is a first round pick with a jump shot. I could, I, you know, how big of a believer I am in Ty Rogers in his game. We've, I don't want to go on another tangent about how much I love Ty Rogers, but I, I could squint and see a world where if he gets a jumper and the other parts of his game come along like we expect it, he would be a first round pick. Riley, as an outsider, do you have any opinions on Ty Rogers? We've really gassed up Ty Rogers and also torn him down on the show in the last two weeks. Yeah, I think like I know when he was coming in, he was sort of branded as this utility point wing type player. But was that really even on display at all last year? I mean, from what I remember with the the Illinois freshman class, it was, oh my gosh, the name slipping me, that guard who, Sincere Harris, who was, uh, had some big moments in the non-con, made some big shots. But the rest of that freshman class, unless I'm forgetting anybody, was a little bit quiet. Although I kind of think the more egregious part of this comment is like gassing up Luke Goody on Al Gore's <laughs> internet. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, what, what an entrance for Riley Al Gore's internet 10 minutes in. I respect it. Uh, yeah. There's it. just, well, you got to learn about Illinois fans. We love them for the record. Again, I reiterate love Illinois fans, love everything about Illinois. Uh, they tend to gas up their role players in a massive, massive way. It happened last off season with RJ Melendez in a big way. Didn't exactly turn out how they hoped it would. I think Ty Rogers can absolutely be an NBA player. I don't know about first round pick as a two and done guy. Let's just see him be like a good point guard for a couple weeks before uh, we we go that far. Let's keep the expectations low. Moving on, our boy Coy is back. He said, making the case for why Illinois might be a better three-point shooting team this season. Last year, they shot 30.8%. That was ranked 335th out of 360 Division One teams. It can't possibly get worse, right? I, can't, I think it can get worse if you're playing Ty Rogers 30 minutes a game, right? Like That's not going to help your shooting. I don't get that. I, I never want to use the phrase, it can't get worse. It can always get worse unless you are actually last, but it can always get worse. Don't say that. I The best case for them saying shooting is going to improve is that whoever's playing the Matthew Meyer role just isn't going to shoot eight contested step back threes a game. Maybe that improves by like two to 3%, but I don't know that that's enough to offset a guy who has never made a three-pointer playing 30 minutes at point guard. Like, that's a terrifying prospect. Cart, there's a lot of comments here about uh, your Max Christie comments here. I'm going to read two of them back to back. One from Easy Rider 32 says, the MSU fan base needs to rally behind Max Christie. Everyone was pissed about the drama around his exit, but on all sides, we need to admit his decision was the best one. Who would turn down playing with LeBron in his last years in the league? Not only that, but he is thriving in summer league. Let's be real. Would he have really put us over the edge last year? Everyone needs to apologize for the Cormac slander and welcome him back to the family with open arms. Your thoughts? oh there's a couple things in there that are hilarious to me welcome him back with open arms you can welcome him back that's fine i'm not saying no one else can i'm talking about if you ask me personally i'm not he's not he's not with me i'm not with him i'm not a part of that part of the family 
they can go to their own little function. One, also, sorry, two, why is he saying that he knew he was going to play with LeBron James? Like, he's like, oh, I'm going to just come out. I know I'm going to play with LeBron James. Let me go in the draft. He didn't know that. Like, come on now. And the way he left, he's, I mean, he burnt bridges on the way that he left. So if y'all want to, like, claim him because him and Colin Castleton are having themselves a hell of a summer league service, like, that's on y'all. Like, go ahead. But I'm not claiming Cormac. He's rolling meadows now. I told, I'm going to say that repeatedly. I do like that the Lakers are trying to revive Big Ten basketball with Jalen Hood-Shafino, Max Christie, and I'm still claiming Colin Castleton as a Michigan Wolverine. Hey, every, every, everyone's hyping up Cormac just for him to maybe, maybe trip and fall into the rotation. Maybe. Oh, that's not a trip and fall. He's been phenomenal this summer. He's really gotten a lot better. It's not a trip and fall. And and all that to not be in the rotation. I respect if, your if Max if if Cormac is in the rotation, the Lakers will stink this year. Spiro Spiro Av has uh, a bit he does. Maybe it's not a bit. He'll probably get mad at me for calling it a bit. But uh, he, where he clowns Michigan fans can for praising hey, Tom Brady. No, I got to stop you right now. If you're gonna make some type of some type of connection between me and Spiro, I will no, I'm not doing that. hit I'm the not, lead button. I'm not doing that. Hear me out. Okay. First of all, why do you hate Spiro? What is that animosity towards Spiro? We had a great time at his show. I did have a great time, but Spiro's always antagonizing people on Twitter, and I don't uh, do that. Oh, yeah, that's you compared me to him, and I am always doing that. Uh, he So his bit, though, is that he, he makes fun of Michigan fans for pointing out that Michigan fans hated Tom Brady. And then now he became a great pro and everybody like thinks he's God's gift to Michigan. I give Michigan State fans some credit for not doing that with Cormac. Because if Cormac becomes like an NBA star someday, it seems like you're standing on your Cormac hatred, which I think is more genuine than the alternative. But I don't know that it's the right move. Just saying. I mean, I think it's a lot easier to not claim Cormac when his like shiny moment has been hitting step back mid-rangers in summer league compared to, you know, Brady getting... Seven rings, like Ariana oh, Grande. Uh, okay, all right, we we got we got we we got Riley triggered right now because we're 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 throwing Tom Brady in the same category as Cormac Christie. We we can't have that. Yeah, I forgot we do have Tom Brady fan, Bucks fan, Riley Davis it's, in the house. Make no mistake, it's a Bucks fan. I'm a lifelong Bucks fan. Bucks fan long before I was a Brady fan. Oh, so you're so. not claiming Tom Brady? We're <laughs> I claim Tom Brady because he got a Super Bowl for my terrible franchise, but I just want like. I got accused of being a bandwagon fan the last three years more than I would have ever expected when I've literally been a Bucks fan, like getting crap from my Panthers fans friends when like Cam Newton was stunting on us for the better part of a decade. Like, and now everybody's telling me I'm bandwagon. I'm like, y'all have seen me down bad with Jameis Winston throwing 30 interceptions. Like you see me with Jeff Garcia and Brian Greasy and Bruce Gridkowski as quarterbacks. Like I- I'm a Bucks fan through and through, but I'm very grateful for Tom Brady and he'll always be a legend in my heart. Hey, you got to eat the L's to eat the W's, Riley. Um, we last question. Do you do you claim Kim Kardashian if you claim Tom Brady? Are they together now or something? I'm like not up to date on the. There are there point. are rumors that Tom Brady. I didn't, I didn't see that either. There they were they were, they were photographed at Michael Rubin's all white party, whatever that is, the birthday party thing that all the celebrities are at. Uh, Tom Brady and Kim. Yes, there are rumors. Touchy, touchy in photographs. I don't know how to feel about that. It's weird. It's, I don't like it. it. Let's, let's move on. Let's. I'll let you guys stew on that for a little. One more Cormac comment from uh, Ulamog. I think I got that right now. He said it's pronounced Ulamog. Ulamog. Enough with the Cormac slander. MSU doesn't make the tourney without him. The ghost of Gabe Brown or pre-Joseph Jamal Joey ain't getting it done. Just because you aren't happy with the way he left doesn't mean you should shit on him. Your response, Carter. He just named two players that were better than him on that team. And that wasn't before Joseph Jamal. Joseph Jamal arrived. It's just people didn't want to acknowledge that Joseph Jamal arrived for some reason. It took him like a year and a half to realize that this guy's giving us 13 and six a night. They didn't, they didn't want they didn't want to realize that because we had little little Cormac and his little little soft pillowy curls shooting mid-range jumpers clanking off the back of the Breslin backboard. Stop it. That man was that man was buns and we gave him the world and he still said no. No, you didn't treat me right when we did treat him right. So I'm good on him. Like I said, any MSU fan that wants to be in Cormac's, you know, circle on his bandwagon, please go ahead. There's an open spot where I should be because I will never ever be on it. 
It's a big open spot too. It's a six that's foot six, what, maybe six foot seven. That's wild. Spot. That's what that is two straight episodes with a fat joke. It's not a fat. That's a tall joke. That's a tall. I went straight to height. Okay, gosh, yeah, because yeah, because height, height, you know, it, it goes to size of seat on a bandwagon. No, you're cool. You're good. I didn't say size of seat. I said it's a big spot, as in it's a tall. Yeah, I said you're a six foot six, maybe six foot seven on a good day. Spot. Kid, disco- kid discovers Brussels sprouts earlier in the week, and now I'm light skinned Rosie O'Donnell. <laughs> this is insane. Not my words for the record. Alex Brecken. 7157 said, I feast on your coverage of Illinois gossip. What's the over-under on Ty Rogers' assists? Over-under six assists per game? Under. That's an absurd line. It's an absurd line. I'm sorry. Card, are you biting at six assists? No. I, I would take under, and I'm tempted to put, like, some stupid level of bet on it that he won't average over over six assists. And that's not even, like, dissing Ty Rogers either. I think that's just, like, what? Like, six assists a game? That's That's – that's like a pass first, like elite passer type assist numbers. Like if you get four or maybe pushing like five assists for Ty Rogers, that's probably a great year. Six is just being, that's ridiculous. That's greedy. Ty Rogers had 32 assists in 17 minutes a game last year. 32 assists on the whole season. Let's just slow down. I might set the over under at four a solid four, and I think that's being a little bit generous. He's 0 for 1 from three in his career also, and a 38% free throw shooter. But yeah, shooting's going to get better on this team, by the way. Jesus Christ, man. Sorry. That's not aimed at you, Alex Bracken. Appreciate the question. I'm just... I'm, it's been a long week doing five of these episodes. Uh, I know more than you. Has another Trent Frazier comment, Cart. Trent played along two All-Americans, and that's why his stats aren't better quality over quantity. Or maybe that Trent was getting those shots because he was playing with two other All-Americans. Like, I can't believe this is an argument. I feel like we can't address it. Can we, like, after this episode, can we move on from addressing anything that involves Trent Frazier versus Tyson Walker? Tyson Walker is better. And if you say he's not better, you're wrong. And that's okay. We love Trent still. But you're just wrong. Should we get a quick outsider input on this, Trent Frazier or Tyson Walker, Riley? I mean, I'm going Tyson Walker just because – for one, he's a better shot creator. For two, he did it in the tournament and beat Marquette to get to the second weekend. Whereas that Trent Frazier team, that year that he was really good, when he was like shooting off of screens and everything, like off the providing all that off the dribble shooting and everything. What happened to Illinois in that tournament his last year there? Uh, I believe that was one year was they the lost Loyola to Chicago? Loyola in the round of 32. One year they lost to... Houston, but barely scraped by Chattanooga. It was one of those two years where, like, the way that Underwood would, yeah, let, let, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, Trent Frazier did some really good stuff that year and was fun to watch. And yeah, I thought he was pretty dynamic with the ball in his hands. But I just think Tyson Walker's at a different level. And seeing him do that in the tournament, that, that gives him the edge for me. It was the Houston year, by the way, now that I just had to do the mental gymnastics on that. Um, yeah, I mean, final thing here, talking about who they played alongside. First of all, the year we were isolating, Trent played alongside one All-American in Kofi, not two. Don't give him credit for playing with Io two years before. Trent's percentages shooting still were bad the year he played with Kofi that everybody thinks was good. And three, he's only like an assist a game more than Tyson Walker. And Tyson Walker plays next to AJ Hogard, who has the highest assist rate in the country. Like Trent Frazier might not average an assist per game if he played next to AJ Hogard. Tyson's way better. Let's just end that conversation, folks. Uh, Brett Abke says for Greg, top three MSU cafeterias for the record. It's Snifi, Brody, Acres in that order. Very incorrect. You could not be more incorrect. In fact, I'm just going to give you one. There's no other cafeteria that approaches Brody cafeteria at all. Am I biased because I lived in Brody? Maybe, but. There's a reason that's a military-grade cafeteria. You can't say that about any others. I still go back for that cafeteria. Carter knows that when we went to East Lansing for college hoops to go. And final comment, last but not least, this is from my wife. She says, can't believe I have to go to the comments to get a shout-out. And then somebody responded a bunch of skull emojis and laughing, crying emojis. We really did give Riley's wife a shout-out before we gave my wife a shout-out on this program. That's not that great. sounds like a, I mean that sounds like a husband of now problem. So do you want to you know repent for your sins? Why don't I save a little teaser card? Why don't I save some words for this for uh, my my one big with two G's thing at the end of the show? How about that? 
All right. Respect. All right. The ball is in your hands, Riley Davis. We now clear out. We get out of the way for three consecutive topics of Riley's choosing. Riley, where are we going today? All right. We're going to start with Cam Whitmore. Got it. Got to lead with him after what he did at Summer League last night. Uh, I just want to provide a little context for people who might not have seen it, might not have seen the the highlights. Went off for 26 points and eight steals. Eight steals, which like, you know, say it's summer league, good it is, but eight steals is insane. Not to mention he hit three threes. All three of them were off the dribble. There was one where he did a little jab step crossover between the legs, like off the bounce. Uh, and he also had three dunks, too, that were like very emphatic. So I want to start by talking about Cam Whitmore. If you all saw his performance, what your thoughts were? Oh, you definitely know I saw the performance. You are you are talking to the leader of the Cameron Whitmore fan club here. And I've been preaching to Greg what this kid can do. But he tells me he doesn't have the feel for the game. He doesn't have all this, doesn't have that. The kid's a hooper, okay? The fact that Houston got him at 20 is crazy to me, uh, whether it be the medical issues, whether it be his own uh, head coach sabotaging him in you know pre, pre-draft stuff. Uh, it's just mind boggling to me that this kid could not get on the floor more at Villanova. I'm, I, it, you, you guys know how it eats at me every single day of my life more than it should that this kid did, didn't get more time at Nova. It makes no sense to me, but you know, I, I said to Greg before, just when we chatting offline that I were trying to find like a Cam Whitmore like comp. And the one I always came back to is he gives me DeMar DeRozan vibes, okay. but He does. He truly does. The athleticism is there. Uh, He might be a better actual three-point shooter than DeMar. I mean, DeMar doesn't even take three-pointers at this point. He definitely doesn't have the mid-range game that DeMar has. But for some reason, I always come back to, he gives me DeMar DeRozan vibes. I think he's going to be a really good player. The fact that Houston got him at 20 is crazy. The fact they got a twin and Cam Whitmore at 20 is so unfair and I hate it because I guess the Pistons and the Rockets are head to head, you know, in a battle for some reason on draft Twitter. So uh, I can't Whitmore has been special. And I feel like Greg doesn't want to come around and say he's been special. Special. I mean, he's been special. We're throwing the special word out. The ISO scoring, the ISO scoring. I mean, I definitely see where you're coming from with the DeMar comp with that. Like, I think we saw it a little tiny bit at at Villanova, but I mean, what he was doing last night kind of showcased the whole bag. And I would even say with the DeMar comp, like, I think Whitmore's defensive ceiling is a lot higher because I know DeRozan has really never been like a plus defender, but just because of like the size, the frame that Whitmore has, he looks like he can add more muscle, add more weight than DeRozan can too. Oh boy. Oh boy. Um, okay. I don't, I, you know, I don't like playing the it's summer league game card knows this for sure. Right. Like I, I am Mr. Overreact to everything in a good way. I just want to read some other guys that were also stellar for the Houston Rockets last night against the golden state warriors. Okay. Trevor Hudgens, uh, renowned Northeast Missouri state, Trevor Hudgens. Hey, hey three time, three, three time division two champion, Couple time division two player of the year, Trevor Hudgens. Trevor Hudgens, 23 points, 11 assists, six for 14 from three last night. Darius Days, 16 points, seven rebounds, five for 10 from three last night. Villanova teammate, Jermaine Samuels, 18 points, six rebounds, six assists last night. And Illinois' own Matthew fucking Meyer, 15 points, three for seven from three, seven rebounds. Everybody that played for the Rockets last (laughs) night ate everyone alive. And look, I get it. Whitmore has been stuffing the stat sheet. There was not really a doubt that that would happen. When he fell as far as he did in the draft cart, even though you know I'm the biggest Whitmore hater alive, I was texting you being like, damn, I kind of do wish the Pistons would trade back in and scoop him up. Because why not? He's a fun little wild card. Nothing Cam Whitmore has shown this summer at all has made me think he's going to be better in the league than I thought he was. He's a total black hole. I think he's second in the summer league in field goal attempts per game right now. He's just a total shot jacker. There are games when he played with Jabari Smith and Tari Eason, who, by the way, were clearly way better players than Cam Whitmore was when he was on the floor with them. Uh, He was just selfishly taking horrible shots and claying them off the back of the rim while those two guys were efficiently feeding the whole game. That's what you're going to get from Cam Whitmore. Whenever he plays for the real Houston Rockets team he's going to shoot every time he touches he's going to make like 42% maybe I think he's shooting 
44% in summer league right now. He's shooting 26% from three on seven and a half attempts. Like, I guess I mean, I, the DeMar can't, comp works there because they're not three-point shooters. But, like, DeMar DeRose is the greatest mid-range player on earth. Why are we comparing Cam Whitmore to that? Hey, have you ever thought that maybe Cam is just relishing in his newfound freedom and being able to take shots? Because Right. Imagine I, imagine being able to play basketball again after a whole year of not. Like, he's enjoying I, himself. I crunched some numbers for you, Greg. Uh, this is for Carter, too, just as much as it's for Greg, because I know Carter will appreciate this. Uh, he played 27 minutes per game at Villanova. Not not terrible until you look at the fact that Eric Dixon, Caleb Daniels, Justin Moore all got over 30 minutes per game. Brandon Slater got 29 minutes per game. And all three of those dudes, those first three, Dixon, Daniels, and Moore, got 80% of the minutes in conference play. And I think Whitmore's minutes were at like 70% of the minutes in conference play, so they got a little bit higher. But still, when you look at the final numbers where he's playing 27 a game and Chris, a.k.a. Connor, Archer Diacono is playing 22 minutes a game, like something's mm. not adding up here. Mm, 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 so so, so be easy on Cam if he's like, hey, I'm finally in here. I got the ball and I'm, I'm letting it fly. So I, I think all that's fair. Like Villanova stunk. They probably should have played their should have been lottery pick more. I'm totally fine with that. Clearly, there was bad blood there. Like at this point, with all the rumors about whatever Neptune was doing with NBA teams with Whitmore, like clearly those two didn't like each other much. I think there's more there than adds up. And I'm I'm not willing to crucify Kyle Neptune for that because like what, seven more minutes a game really would have swung their season. I don't know that it would have. Yeah, Maybe it would have. Yeah, yeah. You know it's not like he was great in his 20 minutes, though, like. He, it's not like he was a first-team All-American in the making if he played eight more minutes a game. Well, that's because they kept running, you know, 42-set back cuts and all these, like, freaking peach basket-ass sets. Like, just give it to our lottery pick talent, and let's see what he can do instead of watching Longino cook. Like, I, I don't know. That's just not a meal I want to look Instead of letting Mark Armstrong cook. Like, what's going on here? I do think, I think in general, Whitmore to Villanova is one of the worst fits of any prospect ever for a college school. Now, it, maybe he looks totally different under Jay Wright. Like, I think we should also acknowledge that. He thought he was committing to play for Jay Wright. Jay Wright left. He still went to Villanova. That sucks. But Villanova is such a, like, a democratic offense, right? It's like dribble, drive, kick, unselfish. Like nobody plays your turn, my turn historically. And Cam Whitmore is completely a your turn, my turn guy. And last year's offense under Kyle Neptune was just like, everybody take a turn, get out of the way. So I don't know what to make of it. I still, I don't like his instincts at all. Like, I think you just watch him. He's not a guy you want to play with. He makes Jaden Ivey, who is an extremely- He's, 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 eight, he's 18. He makes Jaden Ivey, who is an extremely head down, selfish basketball player, look like he's Magic Johnson comparatively. Like, I, he's just a total black hole, and he needs to make shots at the level DeRozan does for that to be useful in the NBA. Otherwise, you fall into the Imani Bates category cart. Okay, just wait. I mean, eight, one of the youngest players in the draft. While we move on to the next topic, I'm actually going to look look up DeMar DeRozan rookie year stats too. By the way, I want some final note from me on Whitmore. He's shooting 53 percent from the free throw line this summer. He has more turnovers than assists because, of course, he does. Uh, like he's a bucket. Sometimes that's it. <laughs> All right. Before we get on to the next topic, I got to add one last note on the Rockets summer league that that Matthew Meyer, because I want to get in the good graces of Illinois fans, because I, I feel like y'all have kind of tapped into that. For one, I mixed up sincere Harris and Jaden Epps. It was Jaden Epps who had some moments in the non-con. But Matthew Meyer put up 15 points despite being assigned number 60, which I, I think that can't be overlooked. That <laughs> he was literally draining threes while wearing 60. They had like talk about a confidence a confidence crush if like your coach throws you a number 60 jersey on a basketball court looking like Michael Orr in the blind side or something like <laughs> that is critical I like that point all right Luckily, uh, we got we got number two topic number two uh you kind of touched on it some with the comments but we need to talk about our Cormax Jack Harlow voice yes our Cormax <laughs> I'm talking I want to talk about my Cormac Cormac Ryan Notre Dame transferred to UNC. And uh, this is actually a funny story. I don't know if Carter can still hear this, but Max Christie, Max Christie's freshman years before I really knew y'all that well, I would always see Carter tweet about Cormac. I'm like, who is Cormac? Why is he tweeting about Cormac Ryan? Like this dude doesn't really follow ACC basketball like that to be tweeting about Notre Dame shooting specialists. 
Uh, but but my core Mac, my core Mac is making waves in UNC basketball Twitter by uh, these different clips that are leaking of him making no look passes. Uh, he had one clip of throwing a, a an alley oop in transition to Louisville transfer Jalen Withers. I'm going to say that quietly, grip my teeth a little bit. But and lastly, I, I went to a, a UNC pickup game a few weeks ago, got an exclusive invite to this, uh, not, not got to flex a little bit. And Respect. I'm just going to say that the, the way that Cormac moves without the ball, the way he's trying to relocate, getting open for shots, something that UNC sorely lacked last year. I got to say, I don't say this lightly. It gave me Brady Manic vibes just in like a six, six shooting guard, the way he's looking, the way he moves without the ball and tries to get it open. And Three, two years ago on this very pod, both of you called my king Brady Manic the the brick from French Lick, and he literally went on to become like the best shooter in the country. So please slander my Cormac and let's get some of that. Let's get some of that good juju going from y'all. Where's Cormac Ryan from? That's a great question. Ca- I think I want to say he's from California for some yeah, reason. He, about right. he looks like a California kid. Okay, Google tells me he was born in New York, New York. Did he? I, I don't know why I want to say he went to Matter Die, but that might be wrong. Um, but also crazy, you just called Matter Day Matter Die. He went to Milton uh, Academy in Massachusetts. Northeast okay, Canada. all right. <laughs> Did Jeff Goodman ever gas up Cormac? That's like <laughs> probably white, white probably. shooter from Massachusetts. Like someone do a Twitter search on Goodman's. On Goodman's hey, that 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 brings me that brings me to the point. I think I want to talk about in this situation. You just came on here and were grinning ear to ear because a Caucasian male named Cormac, who's six six, is doing a good job of moving without the ball. That that that's what that's what that that made a jump for you, Riley. Like that's that's that that get that get that get that gets you up in the morning that he is moving well without the ball. Well, it's not just that; he's also a good shooter and he's pretty oh, proven. Yeah. Like, okay, I mean, yeah, I, honestly, and his like, okay, his Instagram comments are also full of his teammates calling him Brutta and Mac Ten and like all, all these right. different. I'm like, he's gonna show up with a forearm tattoo and earrings in a few weeks, and I'm gonna be all in. That's what we if we need that this year. UNC needs to regain its swagger. They needed the opposite last off season, and now they they need a, li- a little bit of a little bit of sauce. Okay. When he comes back with a, a forearm barbed wire tat, let's just not be let's not be let's not be thrown off here. But in all seriousness, though, like you you guys adding him is actually pretty good because I feel like you need the shooting. He's a knockdown shooter. If anyone knows anything about you know Notre Dame guards, it's Michigan State. I watched Cormac torch us last year, um, and honestly, anytime I found myself watching a Notre Dame game when I had Notre Dame plus 17 and a half Cormac was always just banging threes left and right. So I feel like he could do some things. Unfortunately, I cannot be in Cormac's camp with you, Riley, because I staked my claim that Simeon Wiltshire will be better for you guys. And I don't like how Mondo kicked him on his way out. So unfortunately I got to stake my claim to one side or the other, but I wish you the best of luck. And Hopefully our slander of Cormac will lead to him knocking down at a 42% clip. I want to throw a couple words on Cormac here. Uh, One, he's going to be 25 the moment he steps on the floor for North Carolina. Two, actually, yeah, that's insane. He's heading into his sixth year as a college basketball player. That's it's just (laughs) absurd that this sport currently allows this. The man redshirted as a sophomore his first year at Notre Dame because he had to do the sit out transfer. So he played a year at Stanford, sit out at Notre Dame, three years at Notre Dame, and now it's his sixth season of college basketball. Uh, he will be 25 in October. I years ago, I was convinced that Cormac Ryan and Robbie Carmody was the next John B line backcourt that was going to just keep Michigan at the level that like Trey Burke and Tim Hardaway did Uh, never happened. And Robbie Carmody stunk, by the way, I don't even think he (laughs) finished his basketball career, but Cormac was like one a on my target list at the time. Loved him as a high school player. He reminded me visually, literally just visually, nothing about their games, visually of Gordon Hayward, like the baby face, rosy cheeks, pretty white boy wing, like, Absolutely love that archetype. Love that archetype for North Carolina. Riley, I think you're going to be shocked by this. I've been doing the offseason grades series for the Field of 68 with Doster. We've done 10 of them now. I think I'm the harshest grader that's involved in that, and I'm learning I need to not be that because every fan base just hates me at the end of it. But I've only given one team 
an A offseason. It was actually an A-plus offseason. It was the North Carolina Tar Heels that I gave an A-plus. How do you feel about that? That is that is way higher than I would give them. I'd give them like a B, like a fringe Greg, B plus. Greg, Greg probably gave them an A just because they lost Caleb Love. They were at a B plus for me already when they just lost Caleb Love. But like, <laughs> I've been begging. Listen, you know this, Riley, for years. I've just been begging to see what RJ Davis looks like without a dude who takes all his shots and misses every time. Like, And takes his girlfriend. We finally get to see that. We finally get to see RJ and Armando back as gravy. And like, I think there are some teams that I think you would say like need to go get a star in the portal. North Carolina already had their stars. They don't need stars. They need Cormac Ryans. They need comfortable role players who are efficient. And I think they did all of that. You guys lost nine players from the roster. I know this because we recorded it yesterday. You lost nine players from the roster. I genuinely would not say that I think any of those nine players are good basketball players. You kept all your good basketball players. Whoa, whoa. Pete Nance slander? He really struggled last year, man. Like, I'm ready to jump ship. Oh, that's crazy. How dare you? I'm just calling it what it is. Like I said, when I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I was wrong about Pete Nance in a big way. I mean, I'll go to bat for Leaky Black. He's the one who I will defend to the death. However, I am excited to, like, see someone on the wing who can hopefully shoot a little bit more, have I'll, a little bit more of an offensive game. But I'll go I'll go to bat for Leaky Black, but I am excited to watch a team without Leaky Black. <laughs> but at the same time, I think like, he, he kept UNC's defense, like, I think they were still top 40 in the country last year. Uh, I don't really like necessarily how he was utilized all the time because too often last year, I think Carolina played this really conservative defensive scheme where they're staying home at shooters and like you weren't really maximizing the length of Leaky. You weren't really maximizing the length of Pete Nance and letting them like stunt, dig, gamble at all. Um, But having a guy like Leaky who could take out another team's best wing just like single-handedly, like I go back to that performance against Brandon Miller where Brandon Miller shot like four for 21, I believe, and (laughs) UNC still found a way to to lose because, uh, what was it, Greg? You might remember Caleb Love shot like 14 for 36 or something. Insanity. (laughs) Insanity. I think it was 39 shot attempts, I think. I think you might be right. I think he scored 34 points on 39 shot attempts. Yeah, ridiculous. Um, All right, let me ask you both this. If you could take the unknown of what Cormac Ryan will be next season, but he he's the guy he is off everything we know about him for North Carolina, or you could take Max Christie's freshman year at Michigan State. Known quantity, oh. you get Max Christie's freshman year. Which one are you taking? Cart, you're shaking your head. That's that's easy. I'm taking Cormac Ryan. Easily. I'm taking Cormac Ryan too. I mean, it's it's like literally comparing a a 25 year old movement shooter to an 18 year old with quote unquote pillowy curls who was like very hot and cold from three yeah like that's that's not even that's not even a a question hey riley y'all stunk last year by the way i'm I'm just letting that be known y'all really stunk last year like i mean on on this on on this panel right here greg's team went to the nit and it's not the worst team on this panel i just want to let that be known so you got you got something to prove this year yeah boys better that's why I'm not giving them out of principle. I can't give UNC an A, like especially when you bring in a bunch of guys who have, are coming from losing teams. I know I already kind of made my Jalen Withers joke, but yeah, a lot of these dudes. I I hope that it's not. I hope that they're hungry and it's not just like they're they're having to spend the whole year, you know, like getting over losing habits. Because theoretically, you could say when UNC gets to five wins this upcoming year, that like Jalen Withers should be happy about that. Like okay. more... <laughs> hey, little, I don't know why you're harping on Witherspoon. He's like your ninth best player. I know, I know, and I like he, got, actually, like, he looked let pretty me, good. Let in me the let me run through the off season for you. You got Kado to class up. That's massive. If he's good, That's like huge. your team's incredible. You got R.J. Davis and Armando Baycott back. There was absolutely no reason those guys could or should return and they're back and they're both superstars and now they're both playing where they'll be the key points of this offense instead of Caleb fucking love that's absurd three uh you got Harrison Ingram who nobody's talking about who I think is one of the five most talented players that hit the portal this offseason yeah he hasn't been on a winning team but he's really really good and I think he works next to those three you kept Seth Trimble who I'm still pretty high on you added shooting in a bunch of different guys that are just role player shooters. And now you have like a hundred different versions of how this team can be good. Like if Cado hits, you play through Cado and RJ's the two mm-hmm. and you're awesome. If Harrison Ingram hits, 
then you don't need to play Cado. Then you play RJ at the like. There's so many different versions of Carolina that can be great, which is super exciting to me on a team actually built around the two good players of the three stars instead of our entire season hinges on one guy who's horribly inefficient. Like, <laughs> I don't know how that's not an A off season, guys. Like, that's a great off season. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's a good off season, but you also just said let's get a bunch of losers, combine the losers, and see if those losers can get excited about winning with some superstar players. What would you have changed? Just get get bigger names than the guys they got. I, I no, I I wouldn't change anything. I just wouldn't give them an A. Like you're you're very right about your own grading scale and being self aware. It's not an A. It's like a B. But I I like unless you can tell me something they should have done differently. How's it not an A? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with the Cadeau piece. The Cadeau piece is huge because I'm sure there were plenty of schools that were tampering and offering NIL packages, like plenty of schools that needed a point guard. And for Hubert Davis to be able to close on that and get him this year, I think is big. Um, I will say this is like maybe my equivalent of Illinois fans gassing up Luke Goody, but I love James Aconquo as a backup big to Armando because he has a 7-2 wingspan, had a crazy block rate last year, and is going to just catch a ton of lobs from Elliot Cadeau whenever he's on the court. Uh, that's And I think it shows that Hubert was able to identify some holes in the roster when it comes to needing athleticism, when it comes to needing like a defensive stopper and going and getting it done. Uh, I, I think the reason why I'm not quite to an A yet is because of – some message board rumors back in like March and April that it was like, Oh, there are these back channel conversations with Terrence Shannon. There's, there's uh, everybody was having back channels with Justin Moore, like these big names that were allegedly going to hit the portal that never did. <laughs> so that's, I think that's where like, it was like, Oh, we're North Carolina. We have NIL funds coming in. We're a blue blood and we're about to fix this like horribly disappointing season and to not get the big names. I think that was why, like personally, I felt a little disappointed, but when you put it like, and I know Doster has been arguing the same is that UNC built around RJ and Armando, which I agree is wise. It's like, there's just part of me that I don't know, man, like as a fan, you, you still want your team to win the headline battles in the off season, especially yeah. coming off of this, like, PR nightmare that was the North Carolina 2022-23 season to where I just wanted like that one big name like Justin Moore hits the portal comes to reunite with his AAU teammate Armando and like Duke fans are out there shaking in their boots you know that's really <laughs> all I want it was like Duke to be and they aren't going to be shaking in their boots because of their roster but to at least be like a little bit scared instead yeah. of having Duke fans in my mentions telling me that like I had like a bald Duke fan in my mentions telling me that Oconquo's two points per game are going to be prolific. And I'm like, bro, <laughs> like understand his role. Like he's, no, he's not, I would have got, got I would have got I would have got the cooking him right back. I'm like, doesn't your best player have two bad hips? Like, <laughs> like, what, well, like made, low, low, lower your tone. I made the point to him that he's gassing up Derek Lively, who averaged five points a game last year. And like, I know Lively went lotto, but guess what? I, I, James Aconquo is literally four months older than Derek Lively. Like his best ball could be ahead of him. I think my my only counterpoint to everything you said, Riley, is uh, one, I think Harrison Ingram is a big name. I think he's a bigger name than we're giving him credit for. And two, I think exactly what you said about Doster's point, just being like, I, I don't think adding more stars would have made this a better team. I think they have the stars. They need to add role players that fit them. I think they did that. So credit to you, Riley, uh, because I think your team's going to be good this year. Let's move to the third topic. What do you got? Hey, it's Greg here, interrupting whatever nonsense Cart and I are talking about to ask you if you knew that we do this five days a week now, Monday through Friday. You can find the full video episodes of every episode of the Sleepers podcast on our YouTube channel. You can also listen to them wherever podcasts can be listened to. Please like and subscribe, though, because we're kind of trying to make this a more real thing. And we don't really make any money off of this right now, which uh, is not ideal. So, yeah, thanks for watching. Hope you enjoy this. And let's get you back to the show. All right. This last this last topic, we're getting off of basketball. I wanted to let let Greg take a little chance to shine and, and shed some insight on Wimbledon. Give the give the people some stuff to look for this weekend when it comes to Sintacourt. Uh, sorry, bad British accent. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Tell them what I, they need to know about Alcaraz. Like, yeah, of course. I love this. Uh, we've, we've, I think hinted at small tennis bits in the last couple of weeks. Cart, you like tennis too, right? Like one of your favorite ish sports. You said you like it more than baseball. Yeah. I recently like, but I'm new to the sport, but like, I really enjoy actually watching it. I don't know why it took me so long to like actually watch it outside of watching like, you know, the generic, you know, uh 
Venus, Serena type matches, you know, big names, but I really enjoy it. Alcaraz is the young gun. So I actually do really enjoy watching tennis lately. Tennis is great for a couple of reasons. One, it's always on. Like it's like golf every single week. There's new tennis. Two, it's a daytime sport. So like while you're waiting for whatever football game comes at night or whatever basketball replays you want to watch, like tennis is just constantly on from like 8 a.m. through the afternoon. It's fantastic. Uh, right now we're down to four at Wimbledon. Wimbledon is the best, most fun tournament of the year every single year. One of the four majors. And uh, essentially, we have a star-studded, like, this might be the top four players in the world at the top four at Wimbledon. Djokovic is insane. He has already overtaken Federer and Nadal in uh, total major wins. He pretty much unarguably is the best tennis player of all time, and he's still going at a rate people didn't really expect him to be right now. He's been untouchable at Wimbledon, like, go as far back as you want to. Like, this is his tournament. He wins it almost every single year. Um, Alcaraz is the top seeded player in this tournament. Djokovic is the two seed. Alcaraz is one. Alcaraz is a freak. Like as far as young athletes go across all sports, I have a hard time seeing a more exciting dominant athlete at his age. I think he's 20 right now. Um, he reminds me genuinely the only thing I can compare it to. It's like watching really young LeBron James. Like he just, he stepped on a court and is physically superior to everyone in the sport and is doing shit. You're not supposed to be able to do until you're like a 10 year veteran. Like his mental fortitude his emotional stamina, like all this shit. He's just incredible to watch. And every match there's a highlight play. That's like, I've just never seen anybody on a tennis court do it. He gets balls. He shouldn't get to without like even diving, like he just makes it look like, like his coverage is absurd. He has like power that makes no sense. Like he'll just be in the middle of a rally and hit a winner that like no other human on earth can do. It's insane to watch. So if we get Alcaraz versus Djokovic in the final, like prepare for a, an all timer basically, because Djokovic is still at the height of his powers and Alcaraz is coming for that spot. Maybe has already taken over the spot, depending on who you ask. But the other two guys who are here are great too. Like Daniel Medvedev plays Alcaraz. I think that's more of a toss-up match than people are giving Medvedev credit for because he's elite on grass and has a huge serve and is just super lanky. Um, and then Sinner is like in this young tier with Alcaraz where like people are only giving Alcaraz the credit. But if Alcaraz didn't exist, everyone would be talking about how Sinner is taxed up. Like and tennis is a sport where there's always like every couple of years, there's like this new pool of guys that emerge. And it's like, it's kind of like an NBA draft class where you're like, Oh, they're next up. Um, and the sports in a really interesting spot because carts heard me say this before, but like there was a whole group of guys that includes Medvedev and Sitsipas and Rublev and Zverev who were supposed to kind of battle it out with each other for who is the next number one. And then instead of any of them winning it, they all kind of just beat up on each other and Djokovic kept winning every tournament. So like that group sort of missed their mark. And now the younger era is already here. And it includes Alcaraz and Sinner and this guy, Holger Rune, who's absurd, who made the quarterfinal this year. Um, and like the only one who has a real shot to outdo the greats is Alcaraz. So I'm really excited. Uh, that was word vomiting, but I love tennis. I'm a three-time high school state champ, by the way, 42 and 0 in postseason competitions on the tennis court. You don't want to see me on grass. I'll tell you right now. Uh, and I'm rooting for Alcaraz cause he's awesome. And card, I think I've convinced you Alcaraz is fun to root for and bet on. I mean, I, I as much as I want Alcaraz to win, Djokovic is playing right now that like, if he loses, they got to get him vaccinated. So he's a man on a mission right now. <laughs> All right, I got a couple Wimbledon takes. I got to get off. Um, Wait, hold on. Before you go, Riley, did you did, Riley, did you play tennis in high school? Uh, for two years. That actually ties into my takes. Yeah. Okay. All right. Go ahead and cook. So yeah, I know Greg just mentioned this this group that was supposed to be next up, and so my dad is very into tennis. He played in college. Tried to play professionally for a little bit. Shout out to him. Uh, yeah. So like a lot of like the tennis, my tennis nolly, I would say, is just from like by proxy from being around my dad. Anytime I'm at my parents' house, tennis is always on. So I feel like for like the the last decade plus, it's been who's going to be next up to challenge Federer, Nadal, Djokovic, and no one ever breaks through. Like I remember names like Stan Wawrinka, who had a who had like a little 15 minutes of fame. Milos Raonic was like one of my dad's favorite players like a few years ago. Ridiculous uh, so, serve for Milos. Ridiculous. Yeah, that was 
Right. And so that was why with Alcaraz, I had a little bit of, I don't know, skepticism that it's actually going to work out for him. And so I was watching his match two days ago against Holger Rune, and I was texting Greg. I'm like, I feel like he's not dominating like he's supposed to be. And he won three sets to love. But <laughs> this is where my high school tennis career comes in. Uh I would have liked to see Alcaraz win at least one of these sets, six one or six love or six two, <laughs> because so yeah, with my like my dad tried to get me in at tennis at a young age, didn't really like it. Uh, played a little bit from like ages six to eight. I had I had a pretty good forehand like for a kid back in the day. Then just like gave up with it, but decided to play like my freshman and sophomore year of high school just kind of for fun, you know, stay in shape like for football in the in the spring season. And I lost so many matches, six one, six one. <laughs> <laughs> like that is my that is my standard for like I know when you're truly dominating is when the uh I went to you know private school in Charlotte and our our tennis program was a joke but all the other private schools in Charlotte were like disgusting at tennis as you would expect and so like they used to just come dominate my school like anytime they would like we only had four tennis courts at my school so like you, you couldn't even have all six singles matches going on at once that was that was that was such a private school in charlotte comment right there <laughs> oh we don't we only had four tennis courts okay, West Charlotte all, private school had 10 all, all these other private schools legit had like 10 to 15 courts and we had our little four courts and these matches would take forever uh and then after my sophomore year my dad was basically like you don't take this seriously you need to switch to track for your spring sport and i did and i was actually good at track so <laughs> honestly that probably should have been the move off rip because i really couldn't get past your statement once you said i wanted to play tennis to stay in shape for football like all like i'm like all right riley come on now yeah like, that's that, crazy that's yeah crazy. That's, that's, a cra that's, a, that's a crazy statement i mean you know all the football like i i ran well i didn't run i threw track i was i was part of the field events obviously but all football players ran track did it's you say true. you threw track well, I, I I don't like saying I ran track because I didn't do any of the running events, but I was on the track you team. Threw track? He did shot. I, put. I did. I, I was. I did the field events. What does that mean? Shot put, discus. I did. A, I did a little bit of subbing for like long jump, but so wouldn't that, that wouldn't that be you threw field? That's what I meant to say. I. That's I, I already clarified that. There's no way you're getting hung up on this. <laughs> no, I just, I've just never. I'm not a track guy. Everybody knows this. Like I think running's pointless. At least I used to. Now I live for it. But um, yeah, I don't know. I just I was confused about the term. Like, is that normal terminology? I threw track. I've never heard. That. Well, I, I I probably should have said I did did the field events. But I I do tell people I threw track all the time because I didn't run track. I don't know. Maybe it's funnier to me than you. But yeah. I no, I I was just caught up on if that's an actual statement or not. It is funny now that I understand. Thanks, Carter. <laughs> you're it. welcome. Um, yeah, I mean, I I think you're underestimating on tennis, Riley. I think you're underestimating at the professional level how easy or difficult it would be to six zero somebody. Like probably ev everyone who's a professional <laughs> tennis player is supposed to win their service games. Like even you could take the hundred twentieth ranked player against Djokovic, like. He's supposed to win his service games at least mm -hmm. more than 50% of the time. So yeah, a three set. Like I, I was watching that match literally from start to finish. And I was like, damn, Alcaraz is dominating. <laughs> and then you texted me like, I would have liked to see him be a little more. Dominant. Like what? <laughs> like, okay. Well, did you, did you watch, uh, did you watch my guy Eubanks? I like this dude, Chris Eubanks. I hope he's not just like a one-off and can actually. Hey, no, hey, no, Eubanks needs help. That man's a menace. He also like. He was up two sets to one to Medvedev in the quarters and almost made the semis. I think he is a classic flash in the pan guy, though. He did. Uh, he won his last tournament right before Wimbledon, though. I know because I bet on it. So um, maybe there's more there. But I feel like he's not super young, though, isn't he? Isn't he just like he's like 26, 27? Yeah, he's, oh, 20, he's, he's that old. He's 27 and like just broke through out of nowhere for the first time. I don't like those guys. Age is only good in college basketball. It's not good in tennis. <laughs> wow. That's tough. Just being honest. All right. Well, this was a great Riley Friday. Great debut episode. Appreciate the effort that Riley Davis put into this. Uh, let's end with our one. I'm, are we calling it one big thing today, Cart? One big with two Gs? That's what I wanted. Yeah. To. Okay. Yeah, let's one, do that. One big thing. Uh, Cart, why don't you go first? What do you got today? I, I don't want to go first. I always go first. You go first. I'm going first? Okay. Um, yeah. I alluded to this with comments earlier, but I'm just going to shout out my wife. Uh, my wife's been awesome. Riley's about to be a dad as well. And he'll learn this, but like you don't, it, you don't really 
expect the sort of admiration you end up getting for your wife when you go through having a child with her. Like my my largest takeaway from the last two months of my life has just been like, holy shit, moms are superheroes in general. And specifically my wife, like she's just incredible. Like I I podcast daily now. Like, do you know how selfish that is for me to be like, oh, by the way, like Carter and I are going to do what we did once a week, five days a week now. And she just like deals with it and listens to every episode. It's incredible. Um, and our daughter's been like awesome. She's been super smooth and incredible. Everything's going great. But like just yesterday, we had a really rough day with her. She just wouldn't sleep. It was just screaming her head off for all 12 hours. She was up and like my wife just rocked it. Like while I worked and tried to pitch in and help where I could. Um, but yeah, just like, I think everyone, there's probably a lot of dads out there. If anyone's listening to this, that's like, I went through that same thing and I can relate to that. Riley will definitely know that with Natalie soon, but, uh, shout out to my wife, shout out to Mal. She's the best mom in the world. She's been crushing it. And, uh, I love you, Mal. There you go. Anybody, anybody want to jump in? I'm about to get emotional on this end. Wow. Sheesh. Uh, I definitely probably should have gone first because my (laughs) one big thing is (laughs) Definitely not gonna. My one big thing is that I think that old people should have to retake the driver's test once they hit like sixty or sixty-five, uh, because the fact that I, I I appreciate I love my I love my elders I love old people, all that, but you know the fact that they want to be independent is putting my life at danger because Esther is going twenty-five on the highway like that's just not gonna get it done. Um, I like I said. They can drive, but they got to retake the driver's test. Like, if you took the driver's test in black and white, you should have to retake it when it's in color. Like, that's, that's, that, I don't know. That's the rule. I don't know what the actual age limit is, but something needs to be figured out about that because they're putting themselves in danger and people around them. That's my one big thing for today. Wow. Um, a lot of old people slander from us this week. I slandered them at the grocery store. You, you slandered Esther today on the roads. That's tough. I thought you were going to do your one big thing about your work day yesterday. No official statement on the activities from yesterday? Not, not yet. I, w- I don't want to comment on a, a on a pending investigation. <laughs> okay. Riley, uh, let, wrap us up here on Riley Fridays. What's your one big thing? Yeah, I got one one big thing that actually came up in conversation earlier this week. Uh, my my wife and her sister, my her sister, my sister in law. She works for uh, she works in the finance world, and her there's an office in Durham where I live. She but she lives in Charlotte, works remotely, but has to come into the office one week out of the month, so she stays with us when she's here. And we got into a uh, a bit of a deep dive on cell phones in the early two thousands, talking about the the LG Envy, the LG Voyager. Classic. LG Juke, the chocolate, the, the chocolate, the the, the king of all is the Motorola Razor. And I just want to say that uh, cell phone designers in the early 2000s were in their absolute bag. And it made me kind of sad that like everybody just, you know, we all go for an iPhone now. There's 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 no pizzazz, nothing special about it. There's no excitement of going to the, the AT&T or Verizon store and thinking like, Am I going to get a phone that slides up? Am I going to get a phone that opens this way? Am I gonna... <laughs> so bring back creativity and cell phone design. That's a, that's a little hey. pro tip to Apple. Hey, I love that because the best phone of all time is the BlackBerry Sidekick. And that thing went crazy. You flip it up. I had the belt clip. I was that boy. You, you can play that. Uh, I forgot what it was. It's like it's called Ball Breaker or some type of game you played on the BlackBerry. Like. No, I know exactly nothing. the game you're talking about. I had a yeah, BlackBerry no. torch that it oh, slid yeah. up and had a touchscreen. Yeah, you had you had your BBM your BBM pin mm-hmm. slide the BBM messenger. It was it was classic, man. What a phone! That so that's your favorite. What was your favorite from the phones? I would I would go with my my BlackBerry torch. Either okay. that or like my first phone was a, a Motorola Razor, which like it was a, the black Razor that was just so sleek, like in eighth grade. I remember like getting text messages from from numbers being like, yo, what's up? And being like, oh, is this like a, a cute girl at my school? And it's like, no, this is your friend, David, who just got <laughs> and, and saw you just got a cell phone. <laughs> that was always tough. I, uh, I was a chocolate guy for the record. That was my first phone and my favorite phone. That's crazy. For I, I, This is probably going to come off as somewhat disrespectful. But I feel like your first cell phone, Greg, was when you were in like fifth grade. And it was like one of those phones that you only store three numbers in it. It was like your mom, your dad, and that one aunt that's kind of close to you. Did you not have that phone? 
Didn't have that phone, no. My parents okay. were pretty anti-technology for a very long time, so I was one of the last friends in my friend group to get a phone. It was a big day and, when and, I could text. And now you can't live without your cell phone. This is true. Was that slanderous yeah. again? I feel like we all can't live without our phones. No, I no, I'm the same way. Yeah. Okay. Hey, maybe maybe Connie knew a thing or two. I love that technology. Riley knows my mother's name. That's incredible. Because the Waddell clan runs deep on Twitter. Like, if, if I get tagged to something, it's guaranteed to get a like from Connie. I, I, I see you, Connie. <laughs> I respect you. Great mom, even though I've never met you. <laughs> he is a great mom, for the record. That's, wow. That's amazing. What a, what a note to end on. What a week it was for the Sleepers podcast. Apparently, we're still going to try to do this every week. What's the line for next week, Car? You said the line was over under three episodes this week. We knocked out all five intending to do five again next week what are you setting the line at i'm gonna set it at four next week wow all right inching in the right direction i love to see it uh riley thanks so much for being here and running the show on riley fridays you can follow riley davis where exactly riley what's that it's at riley underscore davis three there we are and uh go get all his great work on heat check the team at heat check does incredible work in college basketball uh you can listen to the sleepers podcast every monday through friday full videos on the youtube channel comment on the youtube we'll take your comments at the beginning of next week's show uh for carter for riley i'm greg we'll see you next week have a great weekend everybody